welcome to Internet Marketing for Humans, digestible internet marketing insight and advice to help you grow your business. Welcome back to Internet Marketing for Humans. I'm your host, Andrew Laws of Andrew Laws Associates, LTD. And we've got a bit of a special show this time, as you may know if you're subscribed, which of course you should be. Most um, of the podcast episodes are quite short little hints, little tips, but I've also been gathering around some people I find really interesting. So we spoke to James Kindred before about usability and Matt O'Brien about AdWords. Now, I've got a guest today and we have Ian Fairweather here with us. Now, I've bumped into Ian a couple of times at some local kind of business coaching events and we got chatting with each other. And whilst Ian isn't necessarily in the internet marketing niche, there's a whole lot of things we talk about that that found a lot of common ground with. And a few days ago, Ian's um, posted something on LinkedIn, and he called it the Improvement Jam. But it, it really piqued my interest. But before we get on to that, I want to just ask you to introduce yourself, Ian. Hello, uh, my name's Ian Fairweather. Thank you for having me on today, Andrew. Um, really appreciate it. Um, I'm a process specialist. Let's call it that for now, shall we? Okay. It might change throughout the, co- the, the conversation, but... Um, yeah, I, I look at things in, in a way that uh, tries to help people standardise and improve their processes and find little ways to just make things a little bit better and tweak them. See, this is why it interested me, because in the, the, the sphere of internet marketing, there's so many things we can be doing that a lot of the danger, I, I do it myself and, and so people I work with, but I see it with other people as well, there's a danger to try and do all the things all the time. So a lot of what I spend time doing is trying to, to hone and improve processes to make them as efficient as possible, uh, which just, I think, kind of makes it a good fit for you being on the show. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, so kind of, there's, I've got a few questions about your LinkedIn profile. I mean, for one thing, I, I really like the way you use LinkedIn. It's, thank you. It's, a lot of people use it as a, as a foghorn, and it, it doesn't work with any kind of social media, but LinkedIn especially, if you just use it to blast out messages rather than interact with people, for one thing, not as many messages will be seen by people. But also, I just don't think it makes very good business sense because with LinkedIn, it's so different to Twitter and Facebook where, you know, being unkind to both, Twitter's people arguing with each other and Facebook's people putting up their holiday photos. But, you know, LinkedIn's <laughs> kind of where we go to work. It's, yeah. it's where we go to actually kind of spend time learning about kind of opportunities. And it's, it's not just sell, sell, sell. Now, one of the things that I'm really interested in with your your your, I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head. It's the small bio bit on your profile. Okay. Now, just just as a caveat, I'm sat here with with um, Ian's profile up in front of my kind of huge twenty inch monitor, and Ian sat there with a cup of coffee, so he, he can't he can't see exactly. No. What I imagine you've seen it before, though. Yes. So there's a few things we have kind of in your your little mini bio, and the first one is you declare yourself as a process excellence coach. Yeah. Now that sounds fascinating, yeah. I mean, especially the, the excellence part. Can you tell us a little bit about about why you put that there, I guess? So there are many, the process is a lot of people will say, well, you make widgets or you help make cars or engines faster. But really, if you think about going from getting an order all the way through to receiving the cash, there are processes at every single step mm-hmm. within your business. And I help to coach people to improve them. So rather than just me going, do this, they might do it while I'm there. Mm. If I'm not there, they won't. Uh-huh. And, and I, I hold people accountable to it. Oh, right. And, okay. and, and I, I try and coach in a kind of Socratic way. 
Socrates. Uh, Socrates. So by asking questions. Oh right. Okay. Well, I've learned something kind of already to, th- to this get, morning to yeah. get through. You know, to where they are. Um, you could call me an intelligent idiot, maybe. <laughs> it's, the, it's the way you ask the questions and, and the way you challenge people to to sort of say, well, think about that process. How much of that actually adds value to what you're trying to do, mm. and how much of it is a waste of time? Okay, so if you've got a washing machine, yeah. How many cycles are on your washing machine? Oh God, I don't know. There must be about twenty. I was how many do you use? One. <laughs> okay. So when if you went into the process of building washing machines, depending on who your ideal customer is, why do you need twenty? Are you just about to give away? I think you've already given away something that could revolutionise the kind of the washing machine no, market. Well, but if you go into a laundrette, how many cycles in a laundrette? Do you know what? Last one I went into was in Antwerp and I couldn't read anything on it. So <laughs> but I typically in a laundrette, you've got, you know, basically wash mm. and that's it. Oh, yeah, you're right, actually, yeah. So if you're marketing to laundrettes, you have one cycle, maybe two. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're trying to differentiate yourself when you're selling into someone's house. Therefore, you have Bubble Matic and whatever other groovy ah, yes. names. So they're trying to add value. But it's kind of a questionable whether you are. It doesn't really. There, there's the kind of the um, one that always makes me smile. Now I'm a gentleman of a certain age, so I've owned more than one washing machine. <laughs> there's, there's always a setting for silk or something. Yeah. And same with irons. I'm like, how many people wear silk? Is, mm. is that kind of such such a big part of the demographic? Maybe. Yeah. Or do you think it's aspirational? People see the washing machine and think I could start wearing silk clothes. It's perceived now I can value. Look after them. It's perceived value mm. as opposed to actual value. When sometimes it's it's the the aspirational language on things mm. like this. I mean, I'm just I've just swung this back round to marketing. That if if you put something on anything that makes people sort of go a bit misty eyed and think I could be that, yeah, then then it it, it tends to no, it is, it's just kind of what a lot of marketing is. Yeah. Okay, so facilitator now. This is the next thing on your, your mini bio. Now, I, I can see that I think you've probably already described that kind of quite well. Mm. But does, am I missing the point? Is it, is it literally you um, will facilitate change? or it's, Generally, yes. It's a way to be in there. I, I can help you facilitate a meeting. I can help you facilitate a, a specific change or a project. But it's not, I don't do it. I mm. kind of, I'm almost like a, you know, a master of ceremonies almost. You know, and and I help clear the way. And but again, I'm challenging. I'm asking questions. Yeah. I'm making sure, keeping everyone on point, everyone focused on what they're trying to do. This is what fascinates me about what you do. It's it's not knocking perceived norms. I mean, the the classic thing I find when I kind of speak to some some teams at clients is you get the answer. Well, you sorry, you ask the question, why is it that way? And you get the answer because it always has been. Mm. And I think. When I hear that, that that's sometimes a sign that those people have the kind of the, the greatest opportunity for growth, really. Yeah, quite often. Um, if, well, we've always done it that way. People always is fine. Um, you need to approach the change in a way that m- makes them remain comfortable. Mm. They've been successful in their life and their career and their business working the way we always have done. Sorry, air quotes there. Air quotes, air quotes. sorry. <laughs> the way we always have done for, for many, many years. So when you're trying to suggest that maybe there might be something that they can improve, it, it's not always well received. Well, it's the, the fear of change. The fear though, of change. Um, but the way I, I approach it is very, very methodical and logical mm. and, and very much, well, 
does it add value? Does it not add value? Can you reduce it? Can you get rid of it? So this is the angle, going back to the, what was the Socrates word you, you used? The Soc- Socratic method. Socratic, yeah. So I can see that, rather than kind of coming in like blunt, blunt force trauma, saying these things need to change, you're kind of, you're, you're easing people into it. Well, sometimes you have to. Right. You know, be blunt and honest, you know, and I won't ever smooth someone's ego for the sake of it, mm. but it's, you know, you really need to stop doing this. Mm. Kind of conversations do happen. That's, that's, I won't ask for any stories actually we'll move on because I'm sure <laughs> I'm kind of sure we, we try not to mention too you know, kind of company names here when we're speaking no. to guests because it's just too much of a minefield sometimes now it says here you're a speaker as well now I can already tell from the way you're kind of carrying mm-hmm. yourself today I mean do you, do you speak publicly um, I'm starting to do a bit more ah, see I've, I'm really I've interested done, in this I quite like to do some TEDx stuff and things like I'm looking at getting into that but I've, I've spoken at uh, conferences and things like that before. Yeah, I've just realised one thing we haven't mentioned yet is is uh, I've, I've introduced Ian as someone who's who's kind of very broadly interesting from a business perspective, um, and a lot of the things that, that Ian and I've talked about in the past kind of re- do relate directly to marketing. But we haven't actually talked about what sphere, or what niche you spend a lot of your time in. Is that? Do you want to? Is that? Um. He's thinking. I'm Sorry, thinking. I just have to fill the fill the quiet no. space. Sorry. Um, in terms of a niche, um, what would you tell your grandma if you said to your grandma, she said, "What have you been doing, dear?" Um, should be weird for mine. She's been dead for about twenty five <laughs> years, so I shouldn't laugh. Um, but you know, if someone said, you know, how would you in its absolute simplest terms? In its absolute simplest terms, it's a bit like going to the doctor. I, I go and I try and make your condition better than it was when you first met me. Mm-hmm. So um, whether it be um, lead generation, whether it be converting the client, whether it be making the widget, whatever it is you're doing, whether it be um, doing it invoicing. Okay. So it's it, so it, 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 literally order to cash. I can help with any of those processes in there so it, by it, following a pretty standard method methodology. This is the, the challenge. I mean, I'm in a similar position where I can work with pretty much any company um, because I do SEO, I don't work with two companies in the same niche, but the the kind of what do you do question can be mm. a bit broad because it's, well, I tend to say, it's probably on my website somewhere, in fact, I know it is, I do what it takes. Mm. But, I mean, a long time ago, in terms of my own personal branding, I had a long, long list of all the things I can do on the website. And I realised one day that it just looked like I was a jack of all trades and, mm. and master of none. So the kind of what do you do, how do you do it question, I, I cover that off by saying, look, I, I've got some ideas based on you know, many years' experience, but I won't actually have the answer until we've done the work, yeah. until we've spent more time. Is it are we, is a similar thing yeah, for you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, you know, from historical trade, I'm an engineer. Mm-hmm. So people immediately put me in the pigeonhole of making things. Right. So even though I'm an engineer, it doesn't mean I can fix your washing machine or your car or, or whatever. Yeah. I am, I'm an educated engineer. Um, but with these tools I learned through engineering, when I moved into an industry, I worked for a little while in a pharmaceutical industry. Mm-hmm. I am not a chemist. I have no clue whatsoever. The tools worked even better. Okay. Because as an engineer... In the back of my head, I thought I knew the answer. Right. And I would reverse engineer it to make it fit my tools. Right. <laughs> so actually, I became quite good at influencing in that 
job. Mm. When I moved into an industry, I had no clue whatsoever. I had to follow the methodology even closer, mm. even more useful, even more successful. This is one of the things I, I, so I've brought you in to talk to you, and I'm talking about myself, which is a terrible thing That's as an fine. interviewer. But one of the things that fascinates me about my work is, is going into an industry and not having the first idea about how it operates, what the opportunities are. Because mm. I've been a serial entrepreneur for the last 20-odd years, that's kind of what I get a kick out of. I, you know, I could kind of keep starting my own companies, which, believe me, I do not have the energy to do. Or I could just keep learning about new clients. I mean, this it's endlessly fascinating. Yeah. And it, it makes, for me, it makes me kind of reassess what I know every time and, and where the opportunities are. And it sounds like you might be on a similar page. Yeah. No, very much I like, you know, I will watch films about factories. Films about factories? Or... or or episodes, or we go on holiday and I will be going to the brewery, but I'll be very interested in the tour, as much as the nice little tap room at the end. No, no I'm, I'm a complete I'm an engineering geek. I, I don't have any engineering training, but um, one of my, well, a couple of my clients are in the industrial niche and they make machines, and I like big machines. Mm. And, you know, I'm old enough to remember on play school <laughs> in the late 70s, the, the coolest video clips they showed was how things were made, yeah. you know, how a Mars bar is made or whatever. You know, that that's it's endlessly fascinating yeah. to me. Absolutely. So you've just kind of managed to make a living from it. Yeah, basically, <laughs> I, I make a living of being nosy, yeah. Oh, that's great. So it's not just the industrial niche that you're, you're focused on then? It's... No, no, uh, I think it's where I'm starting off, mm. you know. Um, it's, I can, I can talk intelligently about it, mm. so it's, it's a good place to start. But I've worked in pharmaceutical, I've worked in aerospace, I've worked in many many niches if you like so and and i've managed to apply these tools and techniques great uh, i'm gonna kind of move away from your from your your mini bio because i realize we've been talking for a little while and we haven't gone any further than that yet <laughs> um so there, there's a couple of things that still still intrigue me though what's learn six sigma lean six sigma oh sorry that's I have fine. got my glasses on as well. That's an excuse. Either I've typed it in wrong, which I may have done. <laughs> Definitely so says lean. Lean Six Sigma is a a methodology, a business methodology. So the lean lean side is coming from the Japanese world of Toyota, Nissan, all those guys, mm-hmm. which was trained to them by everyone from the West. So we taught them how to do it, and then forgot how to do it ourselves. <laughs> right. Um, so that's very much about understanding the value that you're providing to your customer and basically getting that value to the customer in as short a time as possible mm-hmm. with doing as fewer things that don't add value to the customer as possible. So say that again, just because that, I think you've hit you've hit um, top running speed there. <laughs> or did I go a bit too quick? No, no, not at all. No, I mean, I think you've hit your, my, my words are failing me, you've hit your most of the... That's quotable. So, okay. <laughs> it's, what so it's it's basically you, you you're in a business and you understand what your customer wants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they want it at the right time. They want it really good quality. Yeah. they want it at the price there of a value they perceive as good. Yeah, and where else did I get to? And they want it in as short. You you want to get it to them with as a few wasteful processes as possible. That was the one. That's yeah. that's the absolute corker. I mean, from an internet marketing perspective, that is what we you know attempt to do. Yeah. Show show people. Well, traditional marketing is find out what people want, convince them you're the right people to provide that. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's six sigma. 
That's cool. Oh, no, that was just lean. Oh, that was just lean. Okay, no, that's that's just lean. So Six Sigma is, is, um, is a statistical way of looking at problems. Mm-hmm. So it's a way of using mathematics to prove or disprove the problem. So there is a, a population, if you like, like a standard bell curve population. Mm-hmm. Six Sigma, in terms of, I'm not gonna, don't get too technical with it, <laughs> but if you play golf, yeah, and you played golf every day for about 100 years, you'd miss a putt about twice. Mm-hmm. It's that level of Six Sigma. So aer- aerospace work to that level. I think it's three defects per million opportunities. Wow. So if it was any more than that, so a lot of companies or businesses think 95% is quite good. Mm-hmm. Um, if we had that with aeroplanes, there'd be a crash probably four or five times a day. <laughs> you know, it's that kind of, you've got to put it into perspective of where where that means. So 95%, many businesses go, oh, we're, we're in a 90%, that's really good. It's really quite poor. I did that. I've never knew such. Well, I've noticed that not a lot of planes crash very often. So no. I figured something was good, but in ter- that's an incredibly high level of yeah. Of and they do practice. it by having lots of redundant systems, mm. so reducing the likelihood of failure. But even so, you can statistically measure it and plan it and go. Actually, you can really pinpoint the root cause through statistics. And that can be applied to almost any business process. Yep. Or anything in life, I yep. suppose. And it ruins your life because you can never watch TV again. <laughs> and every time a politician talks about statistics, you just say they're lying. Oh, <laughs> excellent. Um, right, so VSM is probably the last thing I'm going to kind of Value ask stream you. mapping, that stands for. Okay, what's Value that? Value stream mapping. So that is all the operations that take you from A to B. Yep. Mm-hmm. So um, I've picked up my coffee. I'm now going to have a sip. I'm going to put it down back over there. Okay. Yep. But between each of those steps, there's some waiting time. Mm-hmm. So I could move my coaster slightly closer to where my hand is so I don't have to reach or stretch. And there's all those things. So basically, it's a way for you to go through, understand all the steps that add value that are necessary, mm-hmm. all the steps that add value don't add value but are still necessary. I have to move my arm. It doesn't, yeah. doesn't help me drink the coffee but I could reduce the time it takes me by moving my coaster closer. Okay. There could be a non-value-added step where I get up and do a lap of the table and sit down and then drink my coffee. But there's also kind of steps that you can't improve because you can't make your arms any shorter. No. <laughs> exactly. So you can reduce non-value-added but necessary tasks. So T-Rexes must have drunk coffee real fast. I think so, yes. <laughs> right. Now, before this gets any more surreal, which is um, <laughs> it's always a joy but might, might be a bit frustrating to listen to, let's, let's get on to the improvement jam. So this is, this is six points. And if I... Obviously, I can see it in front of me, but if I, if, if I let you introduce how this, this theory came about, how, how this idea came about, where were you when it popped um, into your mind? <clears throat> I started off a BNI networking meeting, mm-hmm. and we started talking about it. And then a few people followed me to a mentor networking, and that, that was about an hour afterwards. Oh, was it really? So it's kind of I took some people with me, and then more people joined in. <laughs> so we were, and a, a lot of it was come down to well, what do you do, and explaining mm. what processes were. And then we were talking and talking, and then it got to the point. Well, that's all well and good, and I get it, and I've seen this work, but it doesn't seem to stick. 
Ah, we can't right. seem to make it stick. The sustainability of them is always quite tricky because mm. you're asking people to change their values and behaviours a little bit. Mm. And how do you do that? And it's about making sure that your the values you're trying to do as a business match your operational values. Okay. So you, you might go into a building that says, oh, we respect our people, and then you see a line manager telling someone off mm. in front of everybody. So they're not living, their operational values are different to their business values. Okay. So I'm going to read out each of these and concisely... (laughs) I was about to ask you to concisely expand on it, which is is a bit of a kind of a nonsense. Okay. I'll try. Let's see how we get on. So number one, where are we going and what do we need to do to get there? Help everyone to understand the value that they can create, sorry, that they create to meet and exceed the expectation of their customers now and in the future. It's not going to be that easy to expand on that. I think you've been pretty efficient there. I think it's around your objectives, your strategies and tactics of how you're going to get there. Mm-hmm. So when it works well, you have an objective and that sticks, that doesn't change. But your tactics may very often vary. Okay. Yeah. So... Um, A good example. Um, if you're, if you want to grow the business by X, or you want to get rid of some quality problem, mm. yeah, um, and say right, well, first we're going to try um, training everybody. Okay. We trained everybody, and it's a little bit better. We're still making a mistake. Mm-hmm. So, the objective is still to get rid of that problem. We've done something. Oh, what's my net tax? Well, we're going to get better measuring equipment. Blah blah blah. So. By having everyone understand that what we're trying to do is go in that direction, people are much more willing, and you don't change it. Okay. You cannot change it. If you keep changing your objectives, that's when everyone gets fed up. It's, yeah, it's the, the, um, the distracted dog thing, like the dog in up. Yeah. You know, it could be thinking along and thinking, squirrel. Yeah. It's <laughs> like if, if you've read the book Shoe Dog, for example, he's, he's, um, the guy in charge of not, uh, backtrack, Shoe Dog is about the guy who runs Nike yeah who started oh, okay. it from nothing I say that's, it's not a, not a book it's quite either. an interesting book for an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and um, their objective was to smash Adidas right. just destroy them put them out and he went from nothing and it took them nearly 20 years to get there but because that was their objective they were able to get through all the back you know all the little setbacks and things so to get there so objective never changed the objective never changed how they did it changed they got shoes made in Japan and then in Taiwan and different places and they overcame different problems, but the objective never changed. Mm. So then everyone could see that's what we're working towards. So they can see how what they're doing is adding value ever so small just to get towards that a little bit closer to smashing mm. Adidas or whoever it was. So that's not very concise. No, but no, it's, it's good though. I mean, it, trying to give examples really. The, the examples kind of really help. I say that this is this sort of process. Improvement isn't a strong point of mine at all. It's, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by it, so yeah. I appreciate you kind of come along and, and yeah. I'm, I've already learned quite a lot, and hopefully, well, I imagine the listeners have as well. So, if we move on to point two, build a problem-solving skill set throughout your business. Become fanatical about removing wasteful tasks. Yes. So, again, it's very concise already. <laughs> yeah. So really, yeah, that's, that is what it says on the tin. But you've got to remember you have your, your culture as well as the tools you're going to use. Mm-hmm. So um, just because you go and see it work somewhere else doesn't mean you can just copy and paste it and take it to where you work. 
Uh, see, this is yeah. key. This, this in, in in the world of internet marketing, this happens all the time because there's so much information readily available. I, I kind of warn when I take new people on. Um, I warn them, you know, just read carefully mm. and don't assume everything's going to fit you. The, the classic thing with internet marketing is, well, I did that and it didn't work. So, for example, I've, you know, I've got a company who has quite a sizable budget for Google Ads. Works a treat, absolutely bips along. But in another industry, I wouldn't dare mm. suggest Google Ads because it flat out yeah. probably won't. I'm saying probably won't work because the, the guys we use for um, they use Unscrambled, a uh, guy called Matt O'Brien, who I've interviewed in a previous podcast. So I don't want to say for him <laughs> it definitely won't work. But there, there will be some. For example, if you're a market trader, yeah. there's no point in reading about Google Ads. It's not going to help you, really. No. It's, it's, it's the wrong thing. So one size does not fit all. No. And this is where it was good because we had a large group of people and we were we were literally jamming ideas going well yeah but this but that but really it's a case of well let's agree the tools that are quite simple that everyone can comprehend mm-hmm. and then we'll fit it to our culture yeah so a lot of people look at um, some people hold Toyota for example as a really high standard of quality for automotive right in this country I don't believe there's such a desire to have a Toyota as in other countries but everyone holds them. Was in consumer. Yeah, I don't think there is. They no. kind of. I've got one. I've got a Prius, but it's it's a it's because it's a workhorse. Yeah. I don't go down to it every morning. And go, oh, I've made it. You know, look at that car. Yeah. <laughs> but if you go into any of their f- factories or facilities, they have something called the production system, which mm-hmm. is their tools for doing it. Yeah, and they have their Toyota way, which is how the culture fits it. Mm-hmm. Those two things always have to happen. Okay, and a lot of people try and put the Toyota production system in and forget about their culture yeah and this is why a lot of the time it falls down so really you just have to build on it and just say these are the tools I want to use which is why although I've got Lean and Six Sigma on my on my bio yeah that's a small part Mm. I've got so many things in my toolbox and I I build them around the culture I see when I go there yeah same as yourself when you go to see a client you don't really know what you're going to do until you get to understand their culture a little bit. And then you go, ah, oh, here we go. These are the right tools that would fit you, give you the result you need at this time. Yeah. Today. Oh, at this time, crucially. This yeah. tool, I know everyone talks about it, but you're not ready mm. in the nicest possible way. And you don't really need it. No, I've, I've, I've had that. Um, so I'm not going to say who it is, but I worked with someone for a long time ago. And they came in and talked about Google Ads. And they were like, yeah, I want to spend eight grand on this in the first month. And I was like, you don't. You really don't. That would be a terrible, terrible idea. Yeah. Okay, so that that was pretty nice. I like that. So, map your number three. Map your process. What I'll do is I'll, I'll include a link to this post um, in the podcast notes so that so other people can see it as well. And obviously, then they've got direct contact to you, which yeah, is good. Great. So number three, map your processes together and create ownership. Mm-hmm. So rather than sitting on your own, just scribbling it down on a bit of paper. Just get as many people who are involved in that process together and mm. say, right, well, how do you do it and what do you do? Call it mapping. It can be a value stream map. It can be a process map. It can just be scribbles on a wall. Mm. But as long as you understand this is how it gets from A to B and all the steps, and then you can challenge each step and say, can we make it better? Yeah. Yeah. How much of that is okay? Well, I have to turn around to get that. Mm. Well, every time you turn around, you're twisting, you could hurt your back. Mm. People don't think like that. But when you break it down into its component pieces, it becomes really obvious when things are valuable or not valuable, Mm. safe or unsafe. 
you know, it's that kind of thing. So, but by doing that, everyone then has skin in the game. Yeah, everyone's helped build that process. Everyone now understands this is my objective. This is how I get from starting to my objective. These are all the things that are in the way. These are the things I need to improve, change to hit my objective. It just creates a little roadmap for you. Oh, well, yeah, and just having buy-in from kind yeah. of teams is it's it's what makes things work yep. <laughs> generally. Okay, that's great. So number four, use vid. Sorry, I'm going to try and say that again. Use visual management to see deviations to the current standard instant. Hang on, I'm going to read it in my head first. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I've, I've been reading this. I've been going over it kind of before Ian's coming in, but. Yeah, I sometimes struggle a little with reading. Um, don't let that alarm any of my clients who are listening. Right, use visual management to see deviations to the current standard instantly and what to do when it occurs. So visual management. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> so, so visual management, how basically to make abnormality obvious? Should it look like that? Okay. Yeah, so if there's a square on the floor that's supposed to have a palette with a load of materials on it, mm. What if there's two? There's only space for one. Okay. So what do we do? There's two. Right. So I've either overproduced or someone's late delivering it or what's happened. Yeah. Or it's empty altogether. Mm-hmm. Or if you've got a dial on a, you know, your speedometer in your car. That's visual management. You know, when you say it like that, you know, it's so obvious. But I think what, what I've learned from a lot of the things we've discussed this morning yeah. is that what might be obvious to you yeah. isn't obvious to me. Yeah. I think the best example in a, in a factory environment, I might add, is if you've got a, a dial that should say you've got um, two bar of air pressure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You put like a Pac-Man on it so you can only see two bar and a needle. Right. So you've changed something that could be anything between one and, say, eight bar. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not educated, I don't know, to I can either see the needle or I can't. Hmm. So you've turned something that's got lots of range of freedom yeah. to it's binary. It's right or it's wrong. Well, this is something that I might be going off on a track here, um, on a tack here, but one of the things I've learned about uh, industrial controls is the, the de-skilling. Now, de-skilling in, in most fields, most niches would be seen as a really bad thing for for mm-hmm. machine operators. But it's something I've seen come up quite a lot. I read a lot of industrial yeah. magazines, because it's partly because I've got industrial clients, but mostly because I'm a geek. And the, the de-skilling of operators is seen as a very positive thing. And, and I, I know why, yeah. because the amount of investment needed to get a process perfect is potentially less if the tools being used are more binary mm. but kind of yeah that explanation that, that you've just given does, this, does reinforce that this sorry this is That's right this is less about de-skilling and more about enabling someone to spend their valuable time solving difficult problems okay if i've got to spend all day so if i did my own bookkeeping that would take me a day a week say i felt a bit sick when the thought of yeah. me doing my own bookkeeping <laughs> so i I'll give it to someone else so I can concentrate on my business. Mm. It's the same in, a, in, a, in an environment where you've got a, a skilled operator. I want their skills helping me make the machine run better or make the process run better. Okay. And them spending time having to think, now is it three bar or is it two bar? I'd rather have that same thinking time saying, how can I make my process more efficient? So, so you're literally, you're, you're, you're looking at the process. It's like taking administration processes out of when you're a, a, you know, a, a startup business and you're starting to grow, you start to take out the bits that are still valuable, mm. 
but so you can spend your valuable time doing more things. So you've got you're actually you're upskilling them in actual fact. Yeah, so I just realised you're, you're, you're taking you're taking the the pretty low value task. It's still value added, but it's pretty low value, mm. and getting them to focus on the highest value possible. Then you've got more chance of improving that process. I completely misunderstood the whole de-skilling. Yeah, it's, it's not removing ability; it's just using ability in a more efficient way, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. God, this is great. I'm loving this. Um, <laughs> right. So number five. Oh, now this would I can imagine this would sound scary to some people. Um, well, I was going to say on the factory floor, but yeah, this this is much broader than just just kind of industrial. So we have number five, have a daily accountability process to address any deviations or observations on the current best way of working. Mm. So I can see that, that that could potentially upset people if it wasn't for the fact that you've got buy-in from the culture, yeah. you know, the business culture kind of earlier on. Yeah, it's it. you're creating a safe environment for things to go wrong. Mm. So if if... if if you've got a, uh, so I don't know, you want to process ten invoices a day, mm-hmm. yeah, and today you did twelve. That's great. How did you do that? How can we build that back into the standard? Mm. What things did you do? Or conversely, was there anything you didn't do that you should have done? Yeah, so again, this is this is <laughs> it's the second point in a row that I've been slightly negative on, but no, actually, I've got it entirely the wrong way around. Accountability is a very positive thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's saying, you know, I, you know, I've set the expectation, you know, the, the business sets the expectation to hit our objective that mm-hmm. I have to do 10 invoices a day to make sure and 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 you've now create you've potentially created a new standard or you've only done eight. And what was the problem? Oh, I had to look for this, I had to look for that. Okay, so how can we reduce eliminate the waste so it's there already? How can we make it into that easy to find piece of information? How do we Kind but, of the, the more I'm speaking to you, the more I'm thinking, why isn't everyone kind of? You should be, you should be. There should be a million Ian Fairweathers working in every single company um, in the country because these things, when you say them, they're really obvious. But I mean, as a business owner, they, these things don't necessarily occur to me. No, no, they don't, and it's it's because I don't know why. I think it's just I think perhaps that's how my brain's wired. I'm not sure. Hey, well, great, kind of more of that. So, final one. Number six, standard approach to work for leaders and managers focused on coaching for improvement and problem solving. Yeah, so this is more, and this goes back to my lovely Socratic method I was talking about earlier. It's teaching managers, supervisors and leaders to go out there with a questioning kind of standpoint. So if something's not gone right, Hmm. none of this pointing and what have you done, it's, you know, um, how can we make this process work? Yeah. It's and it's it's a paradigm shift really because a lot of people are used to being told what to do and not being asked to think, mm. and you'd be surprised how much resistance you quite often get. Some people just want to come to work and go home. Yeah, but even those people do actually, in their heart of hearts, want to solve something, want to make their life a little bit easier. Yeah, a lot of people, you know, if they've worked anywhere for for any length of time, but even if they've only been there for a, a few days, and you say to them. Yeah. Okay, what's the thing that really pisses you off? What, yeah. what gets on your nerves here? I think most people, even if they absolutely adore their job, love everyone yeah. they work with, most people have got something they yeah. can say. But I, I wonder sometimes if a lot of people hold it in because they think it, it doesn't have value. You know, cause, yeah. 
I mean, I've and that's why you, you you're trying to get the the leadership and the management and the supervisors to almost lead with that question. Say, well, what what's what's the objective, mm. and what are your obstacles today that are stopping you get there? Yeah, and they can list them off and say, right, which one are we going to fix? Mm. Yeah, which one do you want to have a go at? And I'll support you one hundred percent. It's an experiment. You're yeah. going to do your experiment, and then what's your experiment going to be? Oh, I've got to do this, this, this. Right. Okay. Well, when do you think we can check it and test it? I'll come back next week. So, okay, I'll come and see you next week. Come around. Right. How did you get on with the experiment? Oh, well, that bit worked and that bit didn't. So, what did we learn? Right. Okay. Can we put that into the process? Yes. Right. Okay. What's your next obstacle? Mm. And and then by coaching that and getting it, everyone's getting told about the objective every single day. Every single day they're coming up with slightly new tactics to get it solved, but it's theirs. It's their idea, and they're being supported by their leadership to get it done. In terms of kind of owning it, that's that's and it's, pretty exciting. You know, that's pretty cool. And if you can get there, you you know that's where you will set yourself apart from other businesses because you've got a hundred odd people or so working for you, all trying to solve things every day, and you move away from. I'm going to hire a project manager to do this big step change project to you're doing 100 little projects every single day, mm. which is which is getting you that competitive advantage. It's, I've seen it in a very small way. I'm, I'm going to slightly change this story. So I'm, I'm, I'm not fibbing as such, but I, can't, I need to change some of the details in it. But the point will be there. Anyway, that's a big enough caveat. Um, the, we're not always talking about massive processes here. You know, this isn't like... From where I'm sat, I can see there's a company here that makes um, huge cranes. We're not talking about, well, if I try and pick up 100 tonnes, it's not as efficient as picking up... So it's not as that. There's a, a client I've got, and somebody complained it took, took too long to make a cup of tea. Like, what? Well, I go there, and I put water in the kettle, and I stand there, and then I wait for the kettle to, to boil, and then I make myself a cup of tea. Then the person stood behind me, who's been waiting for the kettle to boil, he then has to reboil it. And So what, what my client did is, um, I've seen a few of these actually, they just got a machine that has instant boiling water. And when I first saw it, I said, how much did that cost? It looks a bit flash. Well, actually, we rent it because it's quite expensive. So well, why do you do it? He said, because it now takes seconds for anyone to make themselves a drink. And there is no queue at the kettle. And so it doesn't have to be massive, massive processes. No. It can be incredibly small changes. Yeah. And that's, and that's what buys people in, because you're solving their world. You're helping them solve their own problems within their own, their own environment. I think that sounds like a pretty good conclusion to me, but is there anything you'd like to get across before we wrap up? Okay, that was a shrug. <laughs> no, I think that was good. You know, really enjoyed talking to you. It's, um, it's been fascinating. Good I answering mean, the questions. I realise it must be fairly challenging because I've brought you in to talk about a list that you wrote without the aim of talking about it on a podcast. <laughs> and I'm asking you to clarify things that are already very clear. But I think just, just as a general discussion and to kind of raise awareness of, of any sort of process improvement, I think it's, it's yeah, really important. I mean, not, not just in work, in, in your own life, it's... It's kind of an important thing to be aware of. Yes, it will. It will ruin your life. It, <laughs> you, you will go in. You will go into the bar, and you will see. Well, if they had the cash register there, they could serve more people, and things like that. You'll you'll look at efficiencies in all kinds of places. I, I know it is these some of these concepts as permaculture as well but, you know, that, that's a whole nother discussion um, so thank you ever so much Ian I really appreciate your time and if people want to find find you or talk to you what's the best way for them to get in contact so my website is um, arcudasolutions.com mm-hmm. is uh, is my website um, you can find me on LinkedIn is probably the quickest way okay. just search for Ian Fairweather and you'll, you'll see a picture of me and you'll f- see that I work for Arcuda Solutions and 
things like that. Happy days. <laughs> I'll include a link um, in the podcast description okay. as well. It'd be great. Brilliant. Well, thanks a lot. This has been absolutely fascinating. And I think I could probably talk for hours with you about this, but there's only so many hours in the day. So I'm going to be efficient and stop talking. Thank you very much. Until the next time, everyone who's listening, um, please remember to rate, subscribe, and tell everyone you know all that fun stuff. Go check out Ian's work. It's absolutely fascinating. Thank you. Bye-bye.